0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cultivating Change with Martin Mayorga and... Nicholas
1: Mayorga.
0: I was about Me. to introduce you. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I was going for that. <laughs> um, we're back. It's been a while. I, I'm sorry. We've uh, <laughs> been working out our employment negotiations with Nikki. He has negotiated all new podcast equipment. We now have a podcast studio with a... Set up for four people, including Nikki. Yeah,
1: and now he- multiple people can talk because before it was only two people, I think, and one time in on the mic, so. Yep.
0: Nikki has a cool mixer with colors and makes him look really official and, <laughs> cool. and um, so from now on, you're going to hear our episode every Wednesday at 7, it will post, 7 p.m. Eastern. And we will go live on YouTube starting next week. So this week is this podcast. And then next week, um, we'll go live uh, Wednesday night. Not live, but we'll post Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., And we'll also have a YouTube channel that will have our podcast. We're here in Miami. We have a dedicated studio now. It looks pretty sharp. Yeah, it looks great
1: so far. We're almost halfway done with it so far. Yeah,
0: looks really good. Like we
1: can fully do podcasts, but it's mostly just like the video part.
0: Yeah, we want to make it look pretty. Yeah, and it looks nice so far so good. So it should look perfect for next week's podcast. So we're not going to do YouTube video this time, Okay. so you can use your imagination. That's pretty much it for the upfront stuff. Anything else upfront? Uh, Wednesday, 7 podcast. Um,
1: no, I think everyone, every podcast and video is just going to launch at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays.
0: Yep, I'm going to be 4 7 for your contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we are here in Miami. Like I said, we are building our facility. I think everybody knows about that because we talked about it in one of the last podcasts with uh, Julio. Super excited. Got a lot of stuff going on here. I'm ready to go, I'm ready to start roasting and packing. Um, and we are joined today by Erin Dahl. Erin uh, has been with Myarga for about two and a half years. She uh, initially started Erin in roadshows, correct? Mm-hmm. She's here now just kind of helping us get things together, get the equipment in the right place, get, get things figured out. I'm good at the big picture stuff, and uh, I need a little help sometimes on the details. By the way, you're going to hear some banging and sounds. and Yeah, because we're, st- we're in
1: the facility. People are doing stuff all around.
0: We're still building desks and furniture, so bear with us. Anyway, back to Erin. Uh, she's here, so I figured I'd corner her and make her do a podcast with us. And uh,
2: finally, cornered me.
0: Finally, cornered her, and uh, you know, introduce Erin. Talk a little bit about her experience with MyOrga for two and a half years. Um, also, just this past week, I think it was, Erin was promoted to president of MyOrga Organic, so she's basically overseeing everything internal. Um, I'm focused as CEO on the strategic and the uh, big picture side of uh, you know where we take the company for the next you know, three, five, 10, 15, 20 years. And Aaron is um, working on the internal management side and uh, oversight. So, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about that journey from, you know, two and a half years ago, you came in and you were managing roadshows, right?
2: Yeah, I think uh, when I started, my, I guess, collegiate background was more marketing. Um, so when I was looking for a new opportunity, I saw, I have been, um, I guess, acclimated to Mayorga. We had purchased order products to sell at the store that I was working at Mm -hmm. um, as a buyer and so I knew the brand um, I knew the commute was going to be the same because it was in Rockville so I looked up a little bit of information and kind of just liked what I saw and um, said you know I probably can you know pursue this opportunity and sort of get a foot in the door that way it was a purpose I wanted to work for and it's always nice to feel like you're going to work where things you are doing matter and um, I I don't think everybody has that um, experience all the time
0: no i think it's a rare experience of anything um what is that noise (laughs) um
1: we should have let them know that we're doing a podcast
0: i thought i did (laughs) um no and i think that's that's the big thing about my orga but it's which is a good thing like you said you know i think it's nice to come to work with a purpose with kind of an acknowledgement that you're doing something bigger than just you um i think it also being different as a company and as the way we work is also a challenge because I think one of the things, and you and I just talked about this last week when we talked about your new role and you know management and oversight. You know, in my perspective, nobody works for me. You know, nobody. We all work for a purpose. We all work for a company with a purpose, and it's it's unique to find people that get that and appreciate that and understand that. And uh, I think you've seen. What the hell is? That? <laughs> Hold on, let's pause. All right, so sorry, we have to take a little break and ask people to be quiet outside. Uh, our offices are still <laughs> under construction, so we had people putting desks together right outside the studio. So, sorry about that. What we were discussing was, um, you know, this premise about the fact that working in a company with a purpose is obviously unique and distinct, which I think is great for the people who get it and who appreciate it. But I also have seen the challenges of it, which you know we don't hear people talk about that. You know, everybody talks about, you know, companies that are focused on sustainability or triple bottom line or whatever the term is of the week. Um, but I think you and I and other people in management see that there's also some challenges because I think people, while they want to believe in the purpose, there's still people that are conditioned to certain kind of everyday expectations of an employee employer relationship, which, in my opinion, is totally something that goes out the window when you work for the, with with my Um So talk a little bit, let's talk about the good stuff first, you know, and then we'll talk about the challenges, which I wouldn't say is bad, it's just, you know, a- adapting and learning from.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, since I've been here, in terms of speaking about sustainability, I think I've learned a little bit more about what true sustainability means. I know, being a buyer to grocery store, it's it's like you hear the buzzwords all the time about sustainably sourced and all this kind of stuff, but but in reality, you know, um, you know, I've come to believe that anybody saying that they're doing something sustainably that's not organic is you know, full of it, because if you're out there and farmers are spraying themselves and their land and stuff with these chemicals and stuff, I don't know how that's sustainable for the right. earth, for them. Um, you know, it, it, just, it poses a lot of challenges. Um, when we talk about sustainability t- to really walk the walk, I mean, everybody kind of says that they want to be that. Um, but in order to do that, it's, it's sort of all the way through the supply chain. Yeah. So I think that that's, it's, it's taking these buzzwords, buzzwords, I think sometimes and and working with you has, I think, really allowed me to look deeper into what that really means yeah. um, and really uh, be skeptical. And I think one of the things where you could look at it as a negative but I look at it as a positive is being skeptical, being skeptical about what people say and um, say, you know, they say they do things a certain way and be skeptical, yeah. you know, because everybody wants to paint this great picture of themselves, and, you know, if you dig a little deeper, it's not always like that.
0: I think it's one of the big drawbacks for me personally Cause I know I'm like, I'm definitely the party pooper in pretty much every conversation I'm in. Um, because of when you've been doing this as long as I have, when you've been at origin, when you've been living in these, you know, I was raised in these countries, when you know people personally who are impacted by the current day supply chain, you know, you do become jaded and you do become skeptical. You know, and I think that's, you know, the key is not to live in the negative aspect of that, but to recognize that we can make an impact. And while everybody else is using sustainability and different buzzwords as marketing, we're actively investing continuously into doing the right thing at Origin, even to the point where most people won't even recognize it or know that we are, we just do it because it's the right thing. You know, one of the big the big impetus to this move where I would kind of move up to CEO, you would work into the role of president, was also predicated on the fact that we're so heavily invested and involved in Latin America, you know, and we're investing in the supply chain for the betterment of the supply chain. And, you know, it allows me that, by having you manage the operations here, in the overall you know, overarching aspect of the management of the business, I can put the time I need to put into Nicaragua and Peru and different origins where we're really creating a presence in. And uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that differentiates us. And you know, you've been to Latin America and you've been to countries and you've heard and talked about the realities. And yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because you do become skeptical and you get a little frustrated too when you see things out there. You're like, man, how, how are we competing with these companies and people when we know the reality and we, we hear buzzwords and marketing that we just know aren't true?
2: And I think on the positive aspect of that, sort of that skepticism gives us the ability to ask the right questions Yeah. Um, and not just take everything everybody says at face value. And I think it allows us to make better business decisions um, and to align with better partners and things like that when we're we're not just, uh, you know, yes people all the time to opportunity.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how we are as a whole is, you know, we, you know, it's that trust but verify kind of thing where we invest a lot of time, money and effort into being in these countries and being in Latin America. And understanding um what's really happening you know asking the uncomfortable questions and you know knowing enough to know what questions to ask too i think it's important but um you know it's part of what makes it interesting and part of what i think is very fulfilling right which at the end of the day sadly i don't think the market recognizes or appreciates it to the level we would like the market to but there is a nice comfort level of knowing that we know it and we feel good about it and we work harder i think than most companies because of it and on a personal level, I would like to think that everybody who works for us can go to bed at night feeling like I work for a company and with a group of people who are trying to make a positive impact of some sort. Not always perfect. You know, we have our issues and we have our, you know, we're humans, but I think that's the overarching aspect of who we are and what we do.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, in this, in this company, it's been really neat to, to have um, the opportunities to travel throughout Latin America and some other places too. But um, oh, yeah. You came back from Italy like two weeks ago. Yeah. And we got to... Uh, it's a tough gig. I gotta <laughs> say yeah.
0: She got to do the uh, factory acceptance test for the machine that'll make Brick Pack Cuban Coffee. And it happened to be in Parma, Italy.
2: That's right. Parma. So she Rolled it in to, into some
0: vacation. Exactly. So there is more than Latin America travel with my orga. So some yeah. interesting stuff.
2: But, uh, you know, I think getting... Because I've been to Nicaragua and Guatemala, and I think going there and, and really meeting the producers and some of the, you know, heads of the co-ops and things like that has... Um, uh, you know, those people that you're working for and working with, they're no longer just sort of these, uh, peripheral beings mm-hmm. that you kind of have no real engagement with. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's cool that we get to travel and stuff, but I think the better part honestly is, is really going and, and seeing who you're, you know, who you're working with and the people that are, you know, providing all this, uh, all the supply for, for the stuff that we're able to process and package and, um. You know, working out, you know, deals on the spot for how many containers and seeing that stuff is really neat. Um, done over a, a wheelbarrow grill, you know, yeah, lunch. And yeah, it's really cool. Um, so seeing sort of the effect that you have all the way down is, is really important, I think.
0: That's always been important for me. That's why we invest a lot of money into people getting to origin. You know, for me, it's not about the social media strategy of putting your pictures up with look at us. We care about origin. It's more about I want people to recognize what we're doing and why we're doing it. And for whatever reason or another, I've always had it in me that I want to kind of fight for people who don't have the ability to fight for themselves, or I don't know, I just I don't like injustice. And I feel like the agronomy trade, And I say agronomy now, not even coffee, because trust me, chia and quinoa, and these other products we've seen are even worse than coffee. Um, It's, it's abusive. It's not even just you know, they take the farmers are taking advantage of farmers are being abused. And in my opinion, at the same time, consumers are being abused because their money's being spent for things that in my opinion are immoral, a lot of times illegal. I mean, there's a lot of food fraud out there that people don't talk about. And I just feel like I want people to go down and meet these people and realize, you know what? Like I've always said, you know, if I'd been born 10 feet away from where I was born, I would be the kid picking up sticks and walking 10 miles for a dollar a day to help feed my family. So I think showing people that, you know what, by some luck of the draw, we were born in a place where we can do something, let's do something. And um, for me, it's a great motivator. It's a great way to kind of keep perspective. You know, I think you're actually a lot more calm than I am, but generally I'm pretty cool about, like, shit doesn't really matter until it really matters, until it really can impact people. Um, It gives you perspective, and perspective is a powerful thing to have. And I think having that perspective as you grow a business is super important, which is, yeah, I mean, I think the origin side is critical. Um, And uh, you've seen that firsthand, obviously.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think my... uh my calm only really comes from, you know, background food industry and stuff where it's everything's on fire all at the same time. Right. It's just, you know, it's it's not about not caring about it. It's just about, well, if I take so much time to react, I'm not processing how to fix it. So,
0: yeah, you know. that's important. I think it's a good leadership skill. I think, um, you know, I would say I'm intense. I never panic. and But I think it's good to be somebody that, you know, people don't want to see the captain of the boat out, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if there's a leak, you know, and they want to feel, or if you're on a flight, you're on a flight, you know, I there's a flight recently to uh, Peru and they turned us around halfway through and I freaked out because the pilots sounded stressed. And then the next thing you do is you look at the flight attendants and they looked stressed. So I think having that leadership that actually shows people that you're cool and calm is very important because uh, if people see the people that they rely on stressed and burnt out or, you know, worried, then you can have issues for staff.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things that rolls into, you know, the positive things we were talking about is that um, there's a lot of opportunity that exists within our organization for people who are, you know, kind of on their feet thinkers and sort of the go-getters and the, you know, I'm willing to, you know, come in at 6 a.m. on Saturday if that's what I need to do to get this job done. And, and um, you know, I think that there's, a, there's definitely not sort of a, a very structured tier organizational thing. Obviously, we, we are, we operate within a hierarchy, but within that, there's so much that everyone does just overlaps and yeah. we're just sort of a, a very team mentality, which is really nice.
0: It's kind of a Lord of the Flies, but without, <laughs> without being cutthroat. No, it's more of, and you're you're the perfect example of it. I mean, you came two and a half years ago to work road shows and now you're the president of the company. Um, I think because of who has led the company, which is me, there's a lot of characteristics of who I am in the company. And what I've learned is, Results are the only things that really matter in business. It sucks. It's you know cold. It's it's impersonal, but it's reality. And I think uh, what we look for as a company and the people who thrive in our company, are the people who recognize that and say, okay, well, within my wheelhouse, within my scope of responsibility, I will create results. And to your point, if it means coming in at six in the morning on Saturday, that's what happens. Then that's what I'm going to do. Um, and we're not the company that says you need to be here at six o'clock on Saturday. You know, we give you enough. Um, you know. Breath to kind of say, okay, here's your job, do it, and then we'll recognize the people who actually really step up and make things happen, and those who don't, it just kind of self-selects after a while.
2: And the truth is, not everyone does, and that's okay too. It's just like oh, yeah. the right fit, maybe not everybody
0: does at all. And yeah. I think that's, you know, my biggest struggle lately has been this kind of premise where, and you know, you know, I talked about it at length, not at length, but a little bit last week, which is, I work so hard to create the kind of antithesis of what people expect the company to be. You know the structured hierarchy with kind of the power struggles and the you know employees are there to take from the employer employers there to squeeze the employee like i try to eliminate all that right and i try to operate in a way that's very kind of democratic um let people be whoever they are be at their best we don't manage your schedule we just you know and, and it's funny because people come to us liking that and appreciating it but it's been shocking to me how many people then revert back into the typical employee employer relationship and that premise of Martin's the boss and I work for Martin and, and it's funny because it's the last thing I want, you know, and it's it, that's been a really interesting kind of thing to observe over the last few years, which is people really are mentally trained societally to expect certain things at a workplace, even if they want to believe that it's different, even if it is different, we are a different company. I mean, nobody can convince anybody that's worked for a company that we're, you know, we're not a very unique company in the way we operate. I think we're very independent minded in everything we do And uh, it's just been interesting to see that so many people still revert back to the typical like employee employer kind of dynamic and a little frustrating for me because I want to set the stage for like, you know, showing that a company can be a lot different, but you know, these things take time, I guess.
2: I think one of the things I appreciated most um, about the way that the last two and a half years have gone or that I appreciate most is that basically there's a, there's a destination. However you get there, Is not really something that you're going to micromanage but you better get there right and i think that that kind of freedom is something that some people thrive in and some people can't
0: right
2: if the roadmap isn't there if they don't have the you know this is going to date me a little bit but like map quest directions or whatever right to get there it just they don't quite know how to make it and i think um i think that's been sort of the separator in some cases it's just being able to say this is my goal however i get there it doesn't really matter but the black and white of what the result is will say everything i would even add to that
0: that will give you the the destination. And you don't even really have to get there. But you got to fucking get in the car and drive, right? You can be doing zigzags, you but as long as you're making momentum forward towards the destination, it may not be the straight line. But to me, that's the biggest thing. It's like I can't stand in any part of my life personally, I mean, even my kid, Nikki, who's sitting here knows like, and my biggest thing I teach him is like, every day is a day to put one foot forward. And if you do that enough times, by the time you're 30, whatever you're doing in life, you're going to be, you know, pretty well ahead of most people. So for me, it's even that it's not even like reach a destination; it's make the effort to get to the destination. Um, you know, obviously, reach a destination can be critical in some aspects, but I think that's also the the biggest separator is the people who don't even want to make the effort or want to argue about the destination rather than just say, "All right, you know, this is the company direction; let's let's move forward."
2: Right. Yeah, and like I said, I. Th- I I think people who sort of thrive with that uh, bit of creative freedom within what they're supposed to do um, are the people who find a lot of success. Um, And honestly, you know, the way that you say, we're really looking for people who are sort of like minded and Mm -hmm. um, think like we do and and sort of um, also want the same things out of our bigger picture. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the way I see it, it's almost like a hippie commune. It's like we all want (laughs) the same thing. We all want the same purpose. Let's all do it alongside each other being who we are as individuals. Right. You know. I don't care what you wear. I don't care about anything. It's just, I want to share the fact that we are in this fight together and you're going to bring your best. I'm going to bring my best. And they can be they can look totally different, but as long as we're all together on that same journey, that's what ultimately matters. So, you know, I think uh, we have a really good crew now. We have a good team. Have, I mean, sometimes I, I, to be honest, I get a little overwhelmed. when You know, when you walk through Miami and it's 30, what, 35,000 square feet of space and we have Maryland. I got to say, every time I go to Maryland, I'm like, you know, there's a big feeling of pride and a big feeling of, like, shit, we've accomplished something real. I mean, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of, uh, you know, organized momentum there, and that's really freaking empowering. You know, I like going up there and seeing that. And, um, but, yeah, we're growing a lot, and we're, we have a really good crew of people. Um, obviously, you being kind of the, the critical one, being the president of the company now. Um, but it's exciting. I'm really excited for uh, what's ahead for us. Uh, Nikki.
1: Hello. Hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, what's up?
0: Ta- talk to me a little bit about your in, your uh, involvement and growth of the company. Of the company? How do you feel about the different roles you've had and different things, things you've done? And just to recap everybody, Nikki's homeschooled. Uh, he travels all the time. He's been to, I don't know, 20 countries or so. A bunch of coffee farms, cacao, all over the place. Um, but, you know, the things that I talked to with Aaron, do they sound like things that you and I discussed personally?
1: Some of them, like the one foot in front of the other, get to the journey, I mean, get to the destination and just, like, work at something every day and by the time you're however years old, that, like, you'll be where you wanted to be however many years ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my my philosophy with everything is that that you just have to make a slight amount of progress every day and you'll get there. And like I always told you, Mm -hmm. if you can be 1% better every day, which doesn't sound like a lot, you're 365% better after a year. I mean, it it really adds up. No, it's funny because the reason i brought you into the conversation is because my philosophy raising my kids being who i am and running the business all the same it's just you know do your best work your ass off and believe in something yeah that's true and people who like that and attach to it do well people who need to keep evolving (laughs) in other ways don't so
1: yeah
0: anything else to add to that
1: not really except that i'm excited now that i'm working full-time on the podcast
0: Let's clarify for the uh, Department of Labor. This is not a full-time position. <laughs> uh, first priority is education, and
1: it's a half-time but full-time. Part-time.
0: Podcast. <laughs> part-time. Um, no, me too. I'm excited for it, buddy. I'm excited for you to learn new stuff, which you are. I mean, you got cool ass control board there, and then, you know, integrate into the computer, and I think it'll be nice. Yeah. Do you have any questions for Aaron as the president of Myorg Organics?
1: Mm. I mean, right now, I can't think of much other than, like, do we have any solid plans for a proof facility?
0: Oh, wow. he <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> came out of nowhere with that one. I, I am not at liberty to disclose. No, <laughs> um, so, Aaron is overseeing all the U.S. operations. Okay. I'm managing everything outside of the U.S., all right. which is part of the shift uh, in roles. Okay. So uh, I will answer that for you in a following episode. Okay. Not today.
2: So I think we're also going back to like some of the challenges, right, of uh, being sort of in that environment and things like that, because to say that, you know, to say that you walk in there and you don't have any challenges is is not true either. Right. So you have to have even I a couple of times have had to have a little bit of a mindset shift Mm -hmm. about, you know, um, uh, taking something and saying, OK, well, this is what I know and this is what I'm used to and this is what works. And then to say, OK, but we have this opportunity to do this other thing. And I think. Pushing through the idea of change as a bad thing is mm-hmm. something that I've had to not reset my mind on, but sort of have that small shift in that uh, sometimes it's sometimes you're accurate in saying that we're going to stick with this until we have a solid plan, and sometimes you don't move toward that other plan aggressively enough, yeah. as you should. Yeah. Um, so I think that's been um, a mindset shift a little bit is recognizing um, an opportunity to do something better, and instead of pressing against it, go full throttle for it while at the same time making sure that it doesn't disrupt uh, efficiencies. Exactly.
0: And I think that's kind of the hallmark of my mindset, which is, and I don't know why, I still, like I would love somebody to like, like maybe a psychologist or somebody to kind of dig into why, but for me it's like, I'm obsessed with deconstructing everything and thinking to myself, is this the best way to do this? You know, From supply chain to parenting to everything I do, it's almost like, and I don't know what it is, but I almost have this kind of, you know, I have a control issue. i like to control my destiny, my decisions. And I almost feel like if I'm walking into a pre-structured environment, I'm almost being told what to do and how to do it. And um, so for me, the concept of change is a continuous element in my life. And I'm sure you've seen it in the business, which is, okay, cool. We've been doing this for a long time and it is our way, but now it's become a systemized, structured habit. Is it the best structured habit you can have for the end result you want? And if not, let's try this new thing. And I'm sure you've seen the new things we've tried that completely flopped, and new things we've tried that have completely been home runs. You know, but for me, it's like I want to know that it's the right thing for us and for the reason why we do things. So yeah, change is like kind of a, a constant for us in a way. You know, there's some, there's some prerequisite. Yeah, and you have to be open to that. And you know, and you know that there's certain like deadly things to say at my orga, which is you know it's not my responsibility. We've always done it this way. Certain things that just Go against the entire like spirit of who we are, and uh, right. you know I think uh,
2: shooting down an idea without an alternative course or something exactly, like
0: that, right? or just saying here's a problem and then just it's like dropping a bomb at somebody's foot. And you're like all right, here's a <laughs> problem. Good luck to you. Yeah. You know it's it's solutions. It's it's evolution. It's growth. Um, you know, and it's funny because part of the the beauty of bringing you in as a company president is my strength is not managing people, and it's not because you know I think there's a perception that I'm kind of cold, and I'm kind of distant. I just don't relate to most people's mindset. And I try to get them to relate to mine. I try to get them to relate to that uh, kind of deconstruction of everything around you and really putting yourself in a place where your life and where you put yourself is where you wanna be, not where things outside of you are telling you to be. It's, it, that's the most draining part of the job for me. You know, and you see of so the shit I deal with, like there's a lot of stressful high level stuff. The most draining part for me is, I feel like I'm trying to do people a good service by saying, "I want you to open your mind and like let go of all your bullshit, all your ego, and let's work together towards this evolutionary process." And the pushback you get, you know, the kind right. of well,
2: changes—you know, changes uncomfortable, and that's yeah. a that's a very, uh, no, I guess normal for lack of a better word, mindset to have. It's like I don't want to do that until the place I'm in right now becomes more uncomfortable than the idea of change. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's what I had to push. Honestly, that's what I had to push myself out of. Is is saying. You know, I'm I'm somebody that's a, probably uh, sometimes more methodical than is good for me. But as soon as I recognize, okay, that this change will be beneficial, then it's it's time to go toward it. Right, right. No, and I think the you know, and I think maybe most
0: people don't work with me directly. Don't realize that you know, and I hate the saying, "There's a method to the madness." But I'm also very methodical, and you know, you meet with me enough to know that I think and I plan in bullet points and spreadsheets. So by the time I've come up with the new crazy idea it's been vetted out numerically bullet point wise. And, you know, so, so there is an element of that that exists, but I think you definitely have that more consistently than I do. You know, I think I uh, I sometimes just also look at what what feels like the right thing, and then let's make the numbers work afterwards.
2: Uh, and listen, I think some of it's also, I think some of the success here is predicated on trust, you yeah. know, and I remember you distinctly on a phone call one time saying to me, you don't have to agree with me, you just have to trust me. Totally. And. I think from that point forward, there was no other sort of um, hesitation in my mind to like move in the direction we're going to go. Because I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? Not only do you have the track record, but also I think the vision that we all believe in. So I do trust you you know. 100%. That's key for me.
0: That's key for me. And I think it's funny because I feel like when I butt heads with staff, which is rare, I think that's my biggest frustration. Like, man, this person doesn't trust. And it's not about an ego trust of like, they don't trust that I'm a good lead. It's they don't trust that I actually have their best interest in mind, you know. And that's like that's the most discouraging part of like management for me because, you know, it just I feel like that I do that every day. I show up every day to trying to say, look, I'm here to grow and, and improve everything for everybody. You know, the opportunities, the learning, everything. You know, and it's funny because you, what you say is very similar to what Janae mentioned. Who is you know, you you and Janae are two out of three people that report directly to me. And Janae made a comment that. Once she was in Nicaragua with me and she saw the commitment I made on the Chia side and the big promises I made, which were lofty promises, she's like, but I saw you not only deliver on those, but over-deliver tremendously to the point where we went from 12 farmers to 600. She's like, then I knew whatever, you know, wherever direction we we go to, I I just needed to trust you on it. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's pretty much all I ask is that people recognize, and it's not trust me, I got this. It's trust me in the fact that I'm doing this completely in line with the company purpose, values, and your interest in wanting to help you grow and evolve. Because nothing excites me more than seeing people around me grow and evolve, even outside the company. People who leave my organ, like I started this company, I'm kicking ass, that's awesome. You know, and Nicky knows this too. I mean, I'm obsessed with seeing people grow and evolve. You know, he's gotten into basketball recently. Two months ago, he's playing with kids who've been playing for six, seven years. He gets frustrated because, you know, he feels like if he'd started years ago, I'm like, Dude, for two months, you're you're growing and you're evolving. That's all that matters, and from there, you can just either stick to it and become even better. But at the end of the day, you can go to bed at night knowing that you made a commitment, you've practiced hard, and you've grown and evolved. And that's everything to me.
2: Right. Well, and, you know, even though that, even though my org doesn't have shareholders, right? We do have a lot of stakeholders. You know, we have farmers, we have staff, we have, um, you know, companies we work with. You know, peripherally, we have suppliers, we have things like that. I mean, there isn't. One of the things I, I think is a important point about that trust is no one is a larger stakeholder than you are.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because I don't even think about that. Honestly, like when we have moments when I get like a little bit concerned of like, you know, well if this happens and we could lose this business, it's never about me and you know, the it's all about holy shit I can't go back to these farmers and tell them I can't support them anymore. And it, it's a funny thing because I think you know in most business scenarios when you have one owner and one person. Basically, kind of, you know, as the owner, you always think, well, you know, the concern will be that he's going to lose his income. I don't even think about that stuff. You know, when we've had incidents where I'm like, you know, if the chia thing doesn't keep growing I just think about the fact that we've literally changed the lives of 600 producers in Nicaragua and coffees thousands for the better. You know, in some cases, very majorly where, you know, some farmers have bought new houses and really kind of grown. But even if it means an extra 50 bucks a month, that's significant down there that's the first thing I think about, you know, I never think about me, and you know, oh, I'm gonna owe this money, it doesn't matter, you know, and uh, I think that's, that's a big separator between me and most people who own businesses. And really, I don't relate to most entrepreneurs, I don't relate to most people who run businesses
2: for that reason, which I think to me is an even bigger reason um, for that trust. Because of all of the reasons that you are the largest stakeholder is not really about you. It's about um you know this this impact that we've made and it, the possibility of it going away and i know that's your main drive and so that to me is even more trust building than just being like oh well he could lose his income or he could lose his house or whatever right. like i know that's not important to you so i think the, the fact that those goals are ultimately not about you is even more of a trust builder
0: right no i mean that's the big thing and that's what i want everybody to feel i want everybody to feel like as they're filling a bag of coffee like this is fucking great i'm putting this bag of coffee that was produced by these small farmers in honduras or nicaragua or wherever and feel it like a positive part of it and take that pride to the point where every bag every pallet, every box looks just perfect because there's so much pride behind it you know and i think that's that's what i try to instill right it's that source of pride and like even responsibility you know i feel like i'm driven by a sense of responsibility more than anything and uh you know, not to the level that I feel it, but I, I'd like when, when staff feel that too. Like, you know, those who have been at Origin, those who have really talked to farmers, you know, if we spill coffee on the ground, they're like, oh shit, that's, you know, we spilled three pounds of coffee. That's, you know, three coffee trees in Honduras that just totally went to waste. I mean, it's it's seeing the value of things.
2: Right, and I think sort of our um, different roles at this point, I think I've, my sort of segue into operations from promotions and stuff, I think sometimes was, um a little bit uh fortuitous because it came at a point where i'm always been the kind of manager or leader however you want to say that where um i also feel a, a big sense of responsibility to them yeah to make sure it's a place that they like to come to work every day to make sure that they feel camaraderie amongst themselves to make sure they know that they have support from their managers to make sure that they know when something is hard for them we step in and we say you know we're going to do this together and then the next time that someone else needs help we know you'll, you'll be there too exactly um and i think that that's just as important to me as you know did we make our quota today it is does everybody feel that sort of sense of community where they work and um i don't necessarily think that you have to come from let's say um, a latin american background to feel that sense of community there because it's not about where we come from it's just about working toward this common goal
0: yeah it's funny you say that because recently we've been a little bit more um vocal on the kind of you know, Latino owned, and and it's more because I'm a little fed up with people in the coffee industry, kind of uh, pandering to the Latino community. And, you know, using us as a, you know, a market you want to sell to, but not really contributing into our communities and and our countries. But I've had a lot of people attack us now saying that, you know, we're we're racist with it. For me, it's about my background, my heritage, what I've seen what I want to impact, but as a company, and then internally, Whoever you are, if you care about the same things, we care about you too, and we're going to support you. And like I always tell Janae and I'm sure you've been in these meetings, which is, I want my organ to be the best place to work for anybody that works for us. I wanted to make it a place where people feel taken care of, because we're all going to work towards something great and empowering, and we want you to benefit from it. And yeah, there's the 401k matching and all that bullshit <laughs> that you know you see, but it's more about like, it's humanity. You know, it's being a human. That's like, if you're having tough financial financial time, we'll support you. If you're you need time off to do whatever. I mean, it's just, it's being human. And, and it's, uh, I think that's the real like element of who we are. It's just, we're people being people, helping people. And, you know, it has nothing to do with your background. It has to do with the fact that, cool, you care about what we care about, come on board and let's do it. And because you care about the same things I care about, then I care about you. And we're, it's just, it sounds kind of hokey, but that's a fact. I mean, you've seen it in action multiple times that we do show that care and love for, for the people that we work alongside with
2: sure and ultimately those become the intangible things right Right. the things that uh, really make somebody uh, everybody you can put a value on everybody if you look at in terms of their pay and all this kind of stuff but those are the things that make someone invaluable right is the sort of aligning of values and the sort of just um Stick to itness and and sort of just get it done and I'll be here overnight. i f- you know f- you know I remember Wendy flying to Wisconsin and driving back Rollstock because we were on a tight timeline and you know just uh just just a willingness to, to do whatever it takes to, to make this now, thing. That goes run. back to that
0: trust you talked about, right? Sure. You know, talked about that and uh, I don't know if it was Wendy or somebody else that drove or flew to Chicago to pick up some corrugated because we were we had some issues with some boxes that were for a new project for a big client. Ben, uh, I think ben, ben drove up there. And I was with that client, and this is a very large client with very high level individuals I was meeting with. And we were with a group and we we're talking about new, very large national business. The first thing one of them brought up was they remembered that when there was issues with the cases, we flew somebody out to Chicago, they filled the van, they drove. That's the other thing. People see that, customers see it, and it makes an impact and that's invaluable. You know, no offense to anybody that's spent their life being educated, but I don't give a shit about your PhD, your masters, your it's your grit your work ethic and your commitment to what we're trying to do. And that's invaluable, you know, and that's that trust, right? They trust us that we're going to do the right thing. And we can trust our staff to know that when it's time to step up, we got to step up, you know, we have, we've all had to.
2: And I think, uh, like you said, that that's, that's invaluable. And then also just like the foresight to, you know, to, to come up with solutions before the problems even arise, because you know, they will um, just to have thought about something before you know, either the, the comment from a customer or supplier or a supplier says, hey, we, uh, you know, we can't deliver this for another two weeks. I mean, you know, yeah. We, yeah, especially in operations and stuff like that, you can't, um, you can't live and die by a day or two's worth of stuff. So I think no matter whether it's from, like, you know, a production's perspective and, you know, Andy receiving a PO that he didn't expect or whatever, um, in terms of the actual nitty-gritty operations side of it, foresight is also a huge Definitely, for sure. intangible.
0: So in your new role as president is there anything that you're like not concerned about that's like is there any part of it that you're like oh shit now I have to know this or worry about this is there any part of it that's like a little bit like
2: I thought we were going to talk about campaign promises <laughs> um, I don't I can't think of anything off the top of my head I think we we do a good job of communicating and um I think the only uh the thing you know we obviously have we've hired somebody to sort of handle the day-to-day admin um, that I was taking care of, just so I can sort of step back and do the more big picture stuff. Um, uh, I think really just being in a position, it, you know, everybody better watch out, because now just being in a position to be able to push them, yeah. um, that to me will be the biggest benefit of this. And I, again, I'm not concerned about necessarily what's good for me, but just for their individual growth, I think that will be better. And what's exciting is
0: you'll get those people that react so positively to that. that that's like really empowering. And then the frustration is you'll get some people that will think you're some monster that's trying to, you know, take away their happy hour or whatever. And, you know, that's, that's the challenge of it, right? It's uh, knowing that you're pushing for the right reasons and then getting pushed back for the wrong reasons.
2: Well, some people, you know, and I guess I've always, been, I've always been the kind of person who does stuff because I want to do well for myself. Right. I want, and I don't mean income or anything. I just mean I want to be proud of the work I did that day. And um, sometimes I think people don't really see the, the sort of goal for the day or they don't really see the goal for the week or they have a hard time holding themselves accountable to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my pushing is really, I'm trying to make you better. I'm trying to sort of give you this course. And if you won't push yourself, then I will. Exactly.
0: Actually, this brings me to
2: an interesting topic, Nikki.
1: Hello. So hey,
0: who built this podcast studio?
1: Uh, me and you.
0: Mostly you. Yeah. And how do you feel when you walk in here? And even though it's not done yet, What is the sense you get? What is the feeling? What are the emotions you get when you walk in here?
1: I mean, I feel happy and proud. And I mean, just excited that I built, like, this was just a plain white room with nothing. And then we came in here with maybe like, uh, it's been like a week or something or a week or two. And we've done a lot. Like, the walls look amazing. And I, I guess I feel proud of what we did with the podcast studio so far
0: exactly and that sense of pride and accomplishment is something nobody can ever take from you every time you walk in here every time you think about it every time somebody comments every time somebody re- refers to the podcast studio and says how nice it is that's yours right you mm-hmm. own that and you carry that with you wherever you go yeah and uh that's a very important thing for me it's you know having built a business with no money to what it is now and i literally i mean i had 150 grand in debt to georgetown university where i didn't get my my uh, bachelor's um that sense of accomplishment, that sense of, you know, evolution and, and just seeing that blank room and building something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: no one can touch that. No one can take that from you. And that's something that, to me and to Aaron's point, is what I want everybody to feel. I want I want people in Maryland to come down to Miami and be part of the decision making on equipment. And because I, I think the embodiment of your ideas into something real, into something practical and productive is super cool and super like energizing, right? It's like you know, Erin's seen the Miami facility on paper and she's helped me do drawings and we've redone them and we've moved things here and there. And when it's running and just banging out, you know, truckloads of product, it's cool to be like, damn, this is like, it went from our brains to a piece of paper to like real-time reality. And I think that's that's a very empowering thing. And that's what, you know, I think Aaron, you're saying, which is we want to give people that opportunity, right? And it presents itself in so many different ways. You know, if you're doing roadshows, it presents itself in the way you interact with customers and what they say about, the product you just handed them. If you're in production, it, it comes out in, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in, you know, looking at a finished palette, you know, smelling the coffee, you know, the customer uh, comments we get, which are continuously, you know, good praises. And so it's, it's giving people that empowerment, uh, uh, that energy of like, wow, if I just try hard, if I just, you know, dedicate myself, I can do things that I can actually like, literally see and feel. And I think yeah, that's very empowering.
2: And one of the biggest, uh, I think empowering things as a manager, um, who does you know have uh, direct reports and then also through them indirect reports and stuff is that i love being a part of a company where we don't have some sort of um rudimentary like annual review and things Oof. like that because they're just one nobody wants to do them no manager on the face of the earth will tell you that they look forward to reviews and secondly some people this is not necessary they're still doing the same thing that they were doing last year they're doing it at the same pace and all that kind of stuff but what i love the best part about that is being able to take somebody who's just not just come into work and done their job well but they come into work and day in, day in, day out. They kick their jobs ass. And then being able to take them and elevate it, maybe tomorrow. You know, we're not mm-hmm. waiting for some position to open up. We'll create a position for you if you're doing that well. Um, and then, you know, just being able to to recognize people on that in that kind of in that kind of way mm-hmm. and have it be at our discretion about when, when we do it, what we do, or... Um. It's more authentic, right? It's like, sure. well, cool. your review, you scored a 92 out of 100. <laughs> Bullshit.
0: And any, I mean, to me, like, employment review, employee reviews, like, I always compare it to, like, if you're in a relationship and you sit down every three months and, like, like okay, well, that one time you left a toilet seat up three times, like, <laughs> say it on the spot. Scorecards. Exactly. I feel like it's, like, a back and forth. and like, it's not fair to somebody. It's basically you're watching somebody do themselves a disservice in their own job you take notes, and you wait till that review to just hammer them with it. And it's like, no, just give them guidance, give them advice, give them feedback. And if it doesn't work out, decide that it's best to part ways.
2: And and to me, you know, it's, it's uh, I don't know if this seems the right way to do things or not, but if you are in the same job you were 10 years ago, and there's been opportunities that you either you haven't been selected for or you never even wanted, then you kind of know how you're doing, right? right? And I think that that's sort of the the unspoken thing about you know, the people who work really hard and are really efficient and and really care about quality. And and I'm talking about production level, like really care about quality. And, you know, they care about the job that they're doing and they always make sure that they're putting in that 110 to get it done. You know, those people are naturally in a different position than they were a year ago, two years ago. It's just going to happen
0: because it's a matter of progression. And uh, like I always say to people, you are where you want to be because where you want to be is where you put your time and energy. So if I wanted a six pack, I wouldn't be eating... Delicious food, and I'd be running. You, just, you are where you want to be because you make decisions on what you want to do. If your career hasn't advanced, or if you haven't graduated college, it's because you wanted to sleep in, you wanted to party, you wanted, you know. So, people need to look at that and say, "Okay, I am where I want to be, but do I really want to be here? And what does it take to be somewhere else?" And I like to think that we're a company where you can have that.
2: Yeah, and I think the the biggest challenge really is is saying, "How do you get, or can you get?" Everybody into the same mindset of we need to do better today than we did yesterday, and we and we're gonna say that again tomorrow. Yep. Um, I don't know if you can ever get everybody there, but as many people as we can get there is, is our goal.
0: That's been my mission and my frustration and my momentary excitement when it when it hits. It's, it's awesome.
2: Uh, but, and, yeah. and I'm the translator between the the two the two worlds. Exactly. Yours and theirs, right?
0: When they look, I just get like speak both languages. in headlights, and I'm like,
2: wait, what happened? That was being motivational. Yeah. <laughs> So it's supposed to excite everybody. Um, I
0: didn't say anything. No, that's exciting. I'm excited. I'm excited for you and your new role. I appreciate it. I think it's funny that all the things you're saying about getting the opportunity and growing and evolving, I mean, you're kind of, you're an example of that. And I hope that people see that and people see in the company that's very clear. You know, there's room for advancement, but we need to create it. This is not IBM in the 50s where you can go up, you know, 19 rungs up the corporate ladder. We're a company that's run small. We're kind of lean mm-hmm. to mean. If we grow, the people who are contributing to that growth will benefit from it it's not going to just happen and we're not going to just give you a promotion because you've been around. All right. Let's Let's wind it down. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up, Nikki. (laughs) Um, So that's it. This is, uh, what's what's the title again? Management Mindset Uh, with Aaron Dahl.
2: Martin said he was going to corner me for a podcast and I said, well, eventually you have to give the people what they want, right?
0: Exactly. So for the millions of people that have been asking for it, there (laughs) it is. (laughs) Make sure you uh, play it and replay it. Um, Take
1: notes.
0: For the record, still the top episode is Nikki's homeschooling episode. (sighs) It's crazy. Up uh, until now. We gotta top
2: this everybody. That's right.
1: Well, soon to come, there will be my own podcast one day where wait, it's taking over?
2: <laughs>
0: what, what are you talking about?
1: No, well this is still gonna, but one day I'm gonna have my own podcast.
0: That's right, you got the studio now. You mm-hmm. gotta cover the rent. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> Surprise. Any questions? Martin at myorgaorganics.com. Social media is at myorgaorganics. Um Nikki is at Nicholas mayorga
1: Yes, underscore Nicholas. Well,
0: Nicholas underscore Marga. So it's at Nicholas underscore myorga. Yeah. And buy Mayorga coffee, buy Mayorga Chia, and support your local business or something. Like that. <laughs> 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 All right, everybody. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you.
1: Bye.